Welcome to the Maple Grove Scripture Reading Podcast, Episode 2, Genesis 22 through 40. Welcome back to the Scripture Reading Podcast. My name is Nick Spencer, and I'm the Youth and Media Director at Maple Grove Christian Church in Bloomington, Indiana. I just want to start by saying that I hope that your time alone with the Lord this week was awesome. Again, that is just one of the most important things that we want to accomplish out of this, is that you have every day just time alone with the Lord, alone in His Word. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this, because in 2017, we are trying to get deeper and deeper in our Christian walk with Jesus. Okay, so this is our first full week in the reading plan, and man, did we have some good stuff to read. Just wanted to quickly remind you, we are using the scripture reading plan provided by the Bible Project, which you can find on our website at maplegrove.church slash scripture, or at their site at thebibleproject.com, where you can also find all the videos to accompany their reading plan. And if you haven't been watching the videos, I just want to, again, highly recommend that because they are so well done, so well produced, and they just just provide so much insight that we don't get necessarily when we're reading. I mean, these are people that have done the study for this, and, and it's just so well put together. Okay, with that, let's get on to the second part of Genesis. To start, I just want to kind of briefly recap where we left off. Abraham and Sarah, they were finally able to have a son, Isaac, as God followed through with his promise to Abraham. But then the start of this week, chapter 22, Abraham gets tested by God. I think that this would be so hard. Like, I I can't even imagine what Abraham was thinking. I'm not a father myself, but I can I can only imagine what a father would go through, especially after waiting so long to have a child, to have God himself ask you to sacrifice that child. Now, what God was doing was testing Abraham's faith, but Abraham would not have known that. But what Abraham does do is show an amazing faith. Isaac asks Abraham a question in verse 7, where he says, The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And in verse 8, Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went off together. He says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. So he's showing faith in the Lord. I mean, he had to wait a very, very long time to have a son, a son that God promised nations would come out of. Now, I don't think anything's going to shake his faith. Like we saw earlier, we saw last week, where Abraham's faith, probably a little bit shaky sometimes. He didn't always wait on the Lord. He and Sarah especially, like when they could not have a child and Sarah gave her maidservant to Abraham to have a child, that's not waiting on the Lord. That's not having faith. But after Isaac is born, I think Abraham's faith just seems to ratchet it up about, you know, 211. I just want to take you to a verse in Hebrews chapter 11. Most of the time I'm going to stay within the book that we're reading, but this verse is so good. The author of Hebrews in chapter 11 just gives a description of a lot of Old Testament people who 
show an amazing faith. And in verse 17, he talks about Abraham where he says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So Abraham is tested by God. His faith is tested by God, and man, he shows it. He's, he's thinking either God's going to provide a lamb, or God is going to raise his son from the dead. And that is an amazing faith. And we see him go through that all the way to the point where he's raising the knife to kill Isaac until he is stopped by the, an angel of the Lord. Okay, so I want to talk about Isaac, but first I want to talk about some of the similarities that you see happen to this family. And the first thing that I want to talk about is when Isaac settles in Gerar, he has married his wife, Rebecca. And it's so interesting because in chapter 26, verse 7, it says, When the men of that place in Gerar asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, because she is beautiful. So we see Isaac do the same thing that Abraham did with Sarah, which he actually did twice, where he says that his wife is his sister. And because he's afraid, he again that that's not putting full trust in God. But then there are some interesting things too, where you have Rebecca, who is barren like Sarah, and later, like we'll see with their son Jacob's wife Rachel, that they are barren. But again, Sarah did not have a strong faith, and so she gave her maidservant to Abraham. Jacob, we will see, not that strong of faith, and we see her give her servant. There's a lot of stuff that goes on there that we're going to talk about, but uh, we see her give her servant to Jacob. But Rebecca and Isaac were different because even though she was not able to have kids, instead of giving a maidservant or anything like that, Isaac does this in verse 21 of chapter 25. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. That's pretty cool. So you see, Isaac and Rebecca, instead of trying to do things the easy way, trying to do things their way, they actually waited on the Lord. And it worked out because they had twins, Esau and Jacob. They were fraternal twins because they don't look anything like each other. Esau was a pretty hairy guy. Jacob was described as smooth of skin. Jacob's name means he grasps the heel because that's literally what he did when they were born. He grasped at Esau's heel. But figuratively, it means he deceives. And man, we are going to see that quite a bit in this part of Scripture. So first, Esau swears over his birthright to Jacob for some food because he, he says, you know, what good is the birthright to me because I'm about to die of hunger. So he doesn't care about his birthright. Of course, then he despises his birthright because he gave it to Jacob. And then Jacob and Rebekah kind of conspire together to deceive Isaac for Esau's rightful blessing. And so Esau, pretty mad about that. And in chapter 28, verse 8, he wants to get back at his father because he says Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Merilath. 
the sister of Nebaioth, and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. So Esau is not happy. He holds a grudge, and he even says that after Isaac dies, that he's going to kill Jacob. And so Jacob takes off, flees to his uncle Laban's place, and stays with him. And this is where we get to see Jacob meeting Rachel. And so, like I said before, when you see Abraham send the servant for Isaac to get a wife, they go to the same place. Laban is actually Rebekah's brother. And so the servant put everything in the Lord's hand. Like, he prayed to God and said, Lord, if these things happen, then I know that you are here and that this woman would be Isaac's wife. But we don't see that with Jacob. We don't see that at all. We just see Jacob seeing Rachel. He goes over, rolls away the stone from the well. This is verse 11 of chapter 29. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. He told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. And he loved Rachel, but he didn't leave anything into God's hands. Like when the servant found Rebekah, he didn't wait because Nahor tried to keep him there at the camp, but he said, no, no, don't put off God's plan here. And he gets back to the city. We don't see that with Jacob. And of course, Jacob probably doesn't really want to go back because Esau has threatened to kill him. So Jacob stays and says that he will work for Laban, Rachel's father, for seven years in order to marry Rachel. And Laban agrees to this. But after the seven years, Laban deceives Jacob, gives him Leah secretly, and then marries Rachel to him. And in total, has Jacob work for him for 20 years. But Jacob didn't love Leah. In chapter 29, verse 31, it says that when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And so that takes us back to see that Rachel was barren, much like Rebecca was barren, much like Sarah was barren. But again, Rachel did not do what Rebecca did, did not pray to the Lord immediately. And we see some stuff happen here. Leah ends up having four sons, because like we said in verse 31, the Lord opened her womb. And Rachel gets jealous about that. And so he, she gives her maidservant to Jacob. And her maidservant has two sons. And then Leah, starting to get jealous, gives her servant to Jacob. And her servant gives him two sons. And then Leah works out a deal with Rachel to sleep with Jacob again. And then she has two more sons and a daughter. And in verse 30, 22, we're finally getting to a point where it says that God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph. But what I want to point out here is that God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb, which makes me think that her tactic changed. Instead of not having faith, she started to pray to the Lord to open her womb, to be able to have kids. And God listened to her. And so she has a son, names him Joseph. Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Let's just focus on him. Let's focus on Joseph. So Joseph has these dreams. And in these dreams, all of his brothers are bowing to him. And his brothers do not take too kindly to that. And so they conspire to kill Joseph. And thankfully, at least one of them has sense. Reuben has sense where he says, let's not take his life. 
Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on it. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. But the brothers had a slightly different idea. They took his robe from him, that multicolored robe from him, and they ended up selling him into slavery. And they lied to Jacob, saying that he had been killed. So Joseph is sold into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt. And he's been sold to this guy named Potiphar, who is an Egyptian official, one of Pharaoh's officials, and he's the captain of the guard. But the Lord is with Joseph through all of this, because the Lord has a plan. Not that we can see, not that necessarily Joseph can see right now, but the Lord has a plan for Joseph. So what we see here is we see Joseph, because the Lord is with him, he is raised in stature. You know, he's given this job where he is basically over the entire house of Potiphar. It says in chapter 39, verse 3, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And so Joseph, even though he was sold into slavery, has is, is now worked his way um, because of the Lord's favor and the Lord's blessing to be over Potiphar's house. But there was an issue in Potiphar's house, and that was his wife, because she took a liking to Joseph and multiple times tried to get Joseph to go to bed with her, and every time Joseph refused. And then in verse 11, it says, One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. And she caught him by the, his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. How oftentimes do we need to do that when sin steps on our door and catches us by the cloak? We need to just drop everything and run. Just get away from it. That's what Joseph did. What a great model for us. And it didn't work out too well for him because, at least at the start, because she lies to her husband. And she says in verse 17, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And so at this, Potiphar's pretty upset. He goes, finds Joseph, and throws him in jail. And again, Joseph has the Lord with him. So in verse 22 of chapter 39, it says, So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And so Joseph sold into slavery, put into Potiphar's house, and then Potiphar's wife keeps coming on to him. He does the right thing. He flees, but Potiphar's wife lies to her husband. So Joseph gets thrown into jail for this. But even in jail, he has the Lord's blessing and he is promoted I mean, however well you can be promoted in jail, I guess, but he is promoted to be over all of the people in jail. This is where things are going to start to get interesting for Joseph, because the next thing he's going to do is interpret dreams of a cupbearer and a baker for Pharaoh, who had been thrown into jail because Pharaoh was not real thrilled with them. He was able to interpret their dreams. They both dreamed that their heads would be lifted up by Pharaoh. 
fortunately for the cupbearer, that just means he was going to be restored to his place as a cupbearer. But for the baker, things weren't as good because his head was going to be lifted up from him, but it was going to be lifted up from his body, and Pharaoh was going to kill him, or have him killed at least. As Joseph interprets these dreams, he he asks the cupbearer to remember him. But the cupbearer, unfortunately, he is restored to his place, but he does not remember Joseph, verse 23 of chapter 40. He did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. But that's going to change. That's going to change in today's reading in chapter 41 and 42. We're going to see Joseph take another step because of the Lord's blessing, because the Lord is with him. And we're going to see some interesting things next week as we talk about the end of Genesis and Joseph and his relationship with Pharaoh. And then we're going to start into Exodus, which we start reading on Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. I I hope that you have gotten something out of this. I hope that it has been um, somewhat enlightening. Just some of the things that I've picked out this week uh, that kind of stood out to me during my weekly reading. And so, again, just hope that's been helpful for you. Thanks for listening to the Maple Grove Christian Church Scripture Reading Podcast. You can find out more information about our church at our website at www.maplegrove.church. You can also follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MGCCBtown. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Thanks again for listening.